0: fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haidner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Final try it's ready. for the touchdown. Back. What a perfect second ever Everybody and welcome. It's been a while. It's been a hiatus, at least for this twosome. Uh, welcome to the Fantasy Football, uh, Fantasy Fullback Dive, brought to you by the good folks at the Road Street Journal. We're paving your way to fantasy glory, even though that's still months off. We're going to be your lead blocker on this journey. Journey may as well start now, mid-March, <laughs> one year into the quarantine. I, of course, am your host, Nat The Truth Jones, with me as always. Actually, as always, it's been a while. It's been since, like, the Super Bowl. Uh, Wolf of Road Street himself, how you doing, man?
1: Doing fantastic, uh, truth. It feels just good to have some real actual football news. There's always that like two month span where there's like, yeah, there's coaching changes, but nobody wants to break down all these play callers and whatnot <laughs> till we even know who's gonna be on their team. So to have all this player movement going on. I've kind of just finally sprung out of my hibernation, gotten writing again and and I just realized how much I actually genuinely missed it. Like it was nice to take a break, it was cool and all, but as soon as I started writing about AJ Browns like 200 plus targets that are about to come and all the good stuff that we're going to cover in a second. All the juices were flowing, and it was fucking great. All the juices. Literally all the juices. <laughs> all the juices. Everywhere. <laughs> so pumped to like back, though. A couple good. different
0: juices off the top of my head, but we're talking about all of the juices <laughs> were flowing.
1: Absolutely. And it's great to see you, even though it's I, I don't like to admit it. It is nice to see you every now and again. So. I know. You
0: say that every time. It's like <laughs> you, you grudgingly give me uh, some respect, but the respect's yeah. there. I, I you know I miss hanging out and, and doing the pod with you, too. I'm. I'm going to be honest. Going in, you're going to be more informed on this stuff than me, which is probably maybe not that different than usual. But uh, I'm going to set you up for some uh, for some slam dunks over on your end. I will say this: we've been quarantined for a year. My daughter is just a adamant, uh, you know, obsessive basketball player. She's 10 years old. Beginning of the quarantine, you know, I'm a grown man. I used to be a pretty good basketball player. I would obviously be much better than her at every aspect of basketball, we had kind of a shooting competition a couple hours ago and she just absolutely wrecked me. I mean, like it it was not, it was not even close. Like it was just totally nasty and i'm still reeling from that a little bit
1: oh man so, yeah that's that's got to be a devastating blow to the ego to lose to how old is serena now like 8 she's 10 oh my god Ted. Geez, the time is just fucking and point oh my god she was 9 at the
0: beginning of the quarantine
1: that's impressive though that is impressive and i don't doubt it she's always going to be it was
0: it was so it was so much of a butt kicking i don't know if i'm going to be able to get it back. Yeah. And if you hear pounding in the background, that's her dribbling, which she is not supposed to be doing while we're recording. So I apologize for that. <laughs>
1: uh, the right. grind knows no stop, as, as don't we. And we're going to cover tonight. We originally planned to do losers and winners. We realized that would probably take us six hours to get through. It was just too much. i had on this list. Uh, so we trimmed it to start with the positives, right? We're going to start with the uh, the winners only tonight and maybe the the so far winners as well. Uh, the, the people that have risen so far. Uh, so that's 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 how we're going to start with this. I do want to give a preface, a little warning on that too, though, that everyone gets all horny about free agency, as do I, you know, oh my God, these people and their New Jersey colors, Kenny Galladay and the Giants blue, like, oh, Will Fuller and that teal aqua from Miami. It's all oh so sexy, right? But realistically it's very, very rare for a free agent to actually improve on their points per game. Uh, Looking at like top 20, so people who actually matter, top 24 QBs, for instance, 12 of such guys have changed teams in the last 10 years. Only four of them ended up beating their ADP. That's 33%. Six did improve in points per game, so about half. That is by far the best hit position of that. The running backs are pathetic. 40 total top 36 guys drafted. Only eight of those guys have actually beaten their ADP the next year. 20 Percent and only fourteen uh, improved in their points per game, so thirty-five percent. Wide receivers, same type of you know data there. Nineteen of fifty have improved, beaten their ADP, and only seventeen of fifty improved their points per game. Uh, so under forty percent for both of those. Interestingly, though, last year of all years, four of four of the receivers to change teams—you know, D. Hop, uh, Diggs, Sanders, and Robbie Anderson. All improved. So that was like the one outlier year. I wonder if 2020, whatever that is, maybe a changing of the guard. So maybe we have to reconsider these trends, but I'm just laying down the preface. Don't get too horny for your players. Tight ends is the worst of all. One of 18 has actually beaten their ADP uh, and and seven have actually improved out of 18 in points per game. So tight ends is just a death knell for people changing teams. So we're going to talk about all these winners. And there's a good chance that a decent amount of them aren't actually going to be winners. Uh, That's why I'm trying to keep the list, you know, not too crazy here as we go. Last thing I do want to say before we do start to net anybody tuned in, if you don't mind just hitting that thumbs up button, it's the easiest way it's free to do. It's simple. Uh, And we love to just give you the free content here. That's what we hope to keep it as. And that's just a nice, easy way that really genuinely helps us get out in front of more eyeballs, more people. So if you don't mind just hitting that as we get into this, Uh, if you're listening to the podcast of the next day of this, shoot in like a review a rating all that good stuff just really helps us continue to get discovered and take this bad boy to the next level so it's so appreciated thank you for that i'll probably beg you for at least one more time in this show but still thanks again for tuning in and and i hope this insight is good for you guys
0: i love the warning at the beginning brother. it's like giving everyone the winning lottery numbers and then just at the end being like by the way these probably aren't the winning lottery numbers yeah (laughs) exactly listen at your uh at your own risk whatever all right we're gonna get right into it the guy that is supposedly number one uh as far as our winners but maybe not ryan fitzpatrick from out of the league to top 10 qb upside with a lot of other nonsense going on i mean fitzpatrick i saw a stat on him the other day he's thrown 25 touchdown passes in a season once in his career and that's it yeah once
1: Uh, I think he's going to destroy that this year I think he is by far single handedly in terms of just like where he started and where he now sits uh, entering free agency versus now the biggest sheer winner now this is not a list of in terms of most impactful moves like Fitzmagic is still a late round QB it's not like he's going to shatter the fantasy landscape but I really think he could be that late round QB that just dominates for players this year Uh, there's just so much to love about this spot one just Fitzmagic himself and, and what shocks me about that stat nat is how good this guy has been in fantasy if he hasn't been chucking the tds listen to this one in in 2019 this is sad the stat just blows my mind in 2019 uh once he took over as the full-time guy in week seven you know how him and like josh rosen were flip-flopping it was disgusting and Uh, i I really
0: liked rosen that draft year
1: (laughs) did not did not end up panning out for him uh ultimately from week seven on Only Lamar Jackson scored more fantasy points than Ryan Fitzpatrick from that point on, which is just Um, mind-blowing. And it's not really just like a mirage of just one to two huge games that really lifted him up. He has been pretty damn steady over his last 18 full starts with the Dolphins. Uh, He's been a top 12 QB and topped 22 fantasy points in 12 of those 18 games, so 66% of those. Uh, He's only been outside the 24 top 24 just once. So it's not even just like boom or bust. He's been pretty steady. Even when he like doesn't hit those top 12 numbers, he's still doing relatively well. So the floor is, is decently high. The ceiling's been high. And this was in Miami with pure shit to throw to Parker, Gasecki, uh, Preston Williams, miles, Gaskin, uh, Who cares about them when you got now Terry McLaurin, Antonio Gibson, Curtis Samuel now added to that weapons cabinet. Logan Thomas was a top four tight end last year. So you get that weapons cabinet check. Then you get the eighth most pass attempts in the leagues last year compared to the 18th check 10th fastest pace compared to the twenty sixth fastest place ninth most plays run versus the 20th. I mean, the list just goes on and on from a talent from an offensive scheme perspective. All of this is panning out. So we've seen him do it. Now we're going to see him in an even better environment. And you know he's going to cost you absolutely nothing. Like, you're not risking your entire fantasy season to draft Ryan Fitzmagic. You're taking him in your last round, and you're probably getting yourself a top 10 guy And who's better to root for than Ryan fucking Fitzpatrick when that beard is just flowing down. He's finding like the smallest cornerback on the field just to truck over. And you just love it. You just fucking love everything about Ryan Fitzpatrick. So I'm stoked about this. He by far is the biggest like single riser in terms of not even on my big board to now in the top 100, top 15 QBs. Love him.
0: I'll give you this. I do really like pulling for the guy. I've I've pulled for him everywhere he's ever been. I don't know why. I mean, I don't know. It seems that seems almost universal. So obviously, I know I'm not alone. There's just something about the guy that makes you want to pull for him. Um, I also I mean, you know, from a real football standpoint, I mean Washington has a pretty good defense too. I mean, you know, they could be sneaky good next year. Um, Absolutely. Not, not that I would ever pull for them as a team, but yeah, they could be all right.
1: I would love to see that too. Right. If that defense and Fitz just becomes a perfect combination. Like they're a fun team. to. Yeah, record. It might be hard not to pull for him. I'd like to see that happen. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you.
0: All right. Well, attached to some of that, let's go to Terry McLaurin. His true ceiling will finally be unlocked. And when
1: you had to say wide receiver 11, is that what you've got him ranked on your preseason board? Exactly. Yep. That's where he's now jumped up to Uh, wide receiver 11, which is significantly higher than the ECR as of right now, about five to six spots. Um, But I love this guy. And this is not the first time I've gushed about Terry McLaurin. Uh, I've loved him since he was a rookie and I, I picked him up off the waiver wire. You always have a soft spot in your heart for those guys, but he's been the wide receiver 20 in back to back years. And this is with Case Keenum, Twain Haskins, Alex Smith, maybe a little sprinkling of Taylor Heineke, Kyle Allen, and Colt McCoy. Uh, do any of those names inspire any confidence in you, Nat?
0: No, that sounds like the old Texans uh, carousel of crap that they had those years yes. with uh, Osweiler and those other guys.
1: Exactly. And maybe McLaurin's not getting it done on quite De- DeAndre Hopkins level when he was just becoming like the wide receiver five, no matter who was thrown to him. But top 20 with that type of garbage, is pretty impressive, and now you inject, you know, we've seen just so many good things about McLaurin, the 4 3, 5 40-yard dash, uh, but what I really love about this guy was as a rookie, he was first in the NFL in contested catch rate, 68.4% of his jump wow. balls. Is there anything better than that with mixing Ryan Fitzmagic, who just loves to huck the ball and let his guys go and get it? We've seen Devontae Parker go from a, complete first round bust of a pick to the number two wide receiver behind only Michael Thomas from that week seven on point when Ryan Fitzpatrick took over. I mean, that, that's not just by accident. And we saw when he, Ryan Fitzpatrick was removed last year, what happened to Devonte Parker just completely fell on his face. We've even seen elite guys like Brandon Marshall and Michael Evans have their best statistical seasons with Ryan Fitzpatrick, just uncorking it and allowing it to go. And I really don't think Terry McLaurin's all that far off from a guy like Mike Evans talent wise, we just had the most conservative play, not even play calling, just QB in terms of Alex Smith would not throw it deep, would not let his guy go win those jump balls. Uh, There's a great PFF article on this. And also, you know, our guy over here, Kendall wrote an awesome article. Check out our rotostreetjournal.com slash stock watch or in the app. If you want to ever read any of these, some great stuff coming out right now. Uh, but the average depth of target was 6.7 for, uh, Terry McLaurin, 31st in the NFL for a guy that can really take the top off the defense, for a guy that was first in contested catch rate. That's just embarrassing to not give this guy more shots. And that's exactly what Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to do, has historically done. I think this is the year. You know, Terry has been great, and we've all loved him coming into the season. You know, top 20 guy, sure. This is where he breaks into that top 10. I absolutely love him this season.
0: I will say the contested ball stat that you threw out there. That's personally a stat that I've always taken really seriously. I was early on uh, DeAndre Hopkins, like when he was a rookie, when he came out. And the reason was he just caught all the balls that were like in traffic. And I I didn't really know anything about him coming out of college. And when I saw that, uh, you know, in some of the tapes and stuff, I was like, oh, I think he's going to be really good. And, of course, I drafted him about a year early in fantasy and stuff like that. But, I mean, you see what he's become. I got a lot of respect for guys that can pull it down in traffic. Absolutely. Uh, Moving forward. Another guy. This is a guy I feel like you've just been, you know, coming in your pants about more than anybody. Uh, You know, correct me if I'm wrong, but AJ Brown, you're thinking 150 plus targets feels like a floor for him right now. I mean, that does seem like an elite season in the works. As it says on the banner, you got him as your wide receiver five.
1: Why? Uh, one, because the exodus, I mean, yes, it, and to confirm your, your hypothesis there, I've come in my pants quite too many times for A.J. Brown, and this season's going to be the absolute explosion of all of them. I cannot wait to own this guy everywhere I can possibly get my hands on him. One of those reasons is 224 targets are now up for grabs, almost 50%, 47.9% of last year after Corey Davis is gone, after W. Smith is gone, after Adam fucking Humphreys is gone. That's still like, yeah, it's Adam Humphreys who gives a shit. That's still, you know, 70-something targets there, right there. That's the third most in the league of vacated targets and the second most inside the 10-yard line, 15 targets right there inside the 10-yard line. That's 48.3% of those. A lot of those W. Smith little ding, 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 dinks that came at that one-yard line. We know A.J. Brown can do that damage, too, after the catch, can win the contested balls. Uh, Never mind the fact that all of this happened when he had surgery on both of his knees in the offseason. They said that they were considering shutting him down as early as week two. So he was playing on two bum legs and still had a dominant season for the most part as a sophomore, nonetheless, too. So if you get a fully healthy guy with this completely wide open uh, target share, When he has seen nine or more targets, that's only happened disturbingly, criminally low five times, given how talented he is, how much he can tilt a game when he just gets the ball in his hand, whether he's knifing through the defense, whether he's going deep. He can do it all. I can't believe he's only seen nine plus targets five times across his career. But his 16 game pace in this. Split, when he does see nine-plus targets, 115 receptions, 1,792 yards, 16 touchdowns, 390 fantasy points, 24.4 points per game. No wide receiver in the last 25-plus years. Not even Randy Moss's record-setting crazy 25-whatever touchdowns he had. Nobody has hit 390 fantasy points. And that's the pace A.J. Brown is on when he sees nine-plus targets. And you're telling me this guy can't see 163 targets? in, in this season where all of these guys have left and he's really the only show in town right now. I mean, they added Josh Reynolds. Oh no, that's going to be Josh, a real, yeah. Josh, Josh Reynolds. Reynolds. Like that's going <laughs> to really,
0: might, might as well have added Josh Gordon.
1: Seriously, Like, yeah, exactly. Cause he, you know, he's never going to be on the field. Exactly. Right. Like it doesn't matter what these other guys are. So th- this is just, it's, it, it, if you imagine if he sees 200 targets, which is probably not going to happen on a Titans team that is built around Derrick Henry, built around the run. But still, nine-plus targets a game is not a tall ask given how talented this guy is, how many people around him have, have gone away now, and how fully healthy he is. You know, 144 targets on the year is nine-plus a game. That's, that's nothing compared to what this guy's ability and potential uh, around him with everybody leaving is. I think he's he's due for just a league changing type of game. If you're giving him round two, you get your war course round one then you get AJ Brown round two. Oh, that's that's as juicy of a start as I could ask for.
0: You like the Henry AJ Brown kind of Titan stack? Oh god, yeah.
1: Yeah. I would I would be all in on that if I could load up on those two. Maybe think pick about, up
0: Tannehill too.
1: Yeah, right. Why not? Right? Because you know Tannehill. Yeah, I think I would full stack this offense. Now, I am a little bit nervous, right, with Arthur Smith leaving. He's been such an efficient play caller, especially in the red zone. So I am a little bit nervous of, is this going to have a trickle-down effect on all the players there? So maybe loading up on all of those guys wouldn't quite work. It would have worked out these last couple years, though. And really, there's just no one else to get the ball between uh, besides Henry, besides A.J. Brown. There's no one else there that's really commanding any type of threat, in my opinion. So that's one of those offense that is going to put up points and they're going to be so heavily concentrated in two people. I love those types of offenses.
0: All right. Well, let's stick with them a little bit. Uh, <laughs> Anthony Fersker, he's a quality penny, penny stock to file away amidst the Titans target exodus, which the Wolf just alluded to.
1: Exactly. And that's really it. I know to go from A.J. Brown, which I would just rave about all day, Max Poetic. It's now Anthony Ferks. Less excited about that. Less exciting for sure. But he goes from somebody who I wouldn't have even thought of to now maybe the number two weapon within this offense right now, given how many people have disappeared and the sample size no, is the very number small
0: two weapon in the offense, Derrick well, Henry and AJ Brown are the top two weapons. In number the
1: two pass catcher. I should okay. have said right. yes, right. that. Good clarification there. It's <laughs> he's certainly not the second weapon ahead of Derek Henry. Yeah. Anthony Ferkser get on the bench. Derek Henry, you got Ferkser to come in here. But we're
0: letting Furkser carry <laughs> it 20 times. Seriously.
1: Tonight. Unleash that fucking mammoth. Uh, but no, it, he isn't bad so far. It's very limited. What we've seen, from him, but in his starts, so Jonu Smith got hurt very early in the Houston Texans game once last year. Ferkser commanded 21.9% target share. He dominated nine targets, 113 yards, and a score. Just a monster over 25-point fantasy day. He got one other start on the year. Didn't quite light it up. Had seven targets, though. A a healthy amount for any tight end. Five catches, 51 yards. I mean, 10 points from your tight end there in, in a PPR league. like Last year, that was good enough to be a top 15 guy's Far more weeks than it wasn't, and he had two touchdowns vultured by other shithead tight ends. Like if one of those went his way, you're looking at his only two starts being two monstrous performances. So I like Furkser. again. Just to reiterate, the targets that are now available: two hundred and four, two hundred twenty-four. 47.9%, 15 of those coming inside the 10. That's where I really think Ferkser, big body, athletic guy, could do a lot of the damage if they use him like they use on John Jonu Smith. I mean, you saw that one when they like handed it off to Jonu Smith because you had Tannehill and Derrick Henry, right? Like, Was that what that yeah. devastating moment was? Yeah. Maybe they do that with Ferkser a little that, bit. More. That, was, that really was terrible. <laughs> that That is the stuff of fantasy nightmares right there. Uh, he's not quite the athlete of John Jonu Smith, so I don't know if he'll get those backfield snaps and things of that nature. But at this point, I mean, he could very well see the second most targets on this team. I still think 200 of them should go to A.J. Brown and about 50 should go to Ferkser. But right now, as it stands today, there's a wide open opportunity and an offense that we've seen just cook down the field. So I like Ferkser as a sleeper this year.
0: All right. Dak Prescott locked, locked up to a not like 10-year deal, but like a long year, a long deal where he's guaranteed tons and tons of money. You know, people have certainly differing thoughts on that. Some people think it's about time. Some people think the Cowboys are crazy. Uh, I'm not going to get into that right now, but you are pretty confident that the Cowboys position players, their skill guys, are going to get a bump from this.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you just look at what happened last year with and without Prescott, it's it's not even night and day. It's not even Jekyll and Hyde. Like, it's just... The gap is insanely wide between how these guys performed with and without him. As a whole, the offense was averaging almost 32 points per game, top-ranked offense in the league at the time before the injury. Prescott himself was almost on base for 6,000 passing yards. 5, oh, I, was, I yards. was
0: a Dak Prescott owner.
1: Uh, yeah, so that, I mean, that's something that just halted it was, your it fantasy was a great right three weeks show. or so. Right? It's brutal. <laughs> the, the team that was in first place in my league ended up finishing in 11th after he lost Dak Prescott. That's how much he was able to carry teams because that team was pretty garbage outside of Prescott. And now, you know, he, he elevated that team to the moon for those first few weeks. That's the type of guy that Prescott is. And that's why he's my number three quarterback, all back and ready to go. The full weapons cabinet still there. I absolutely love him. Be, be, the only two I have above him. Are, are Pat Mahomes obviously, and maybe who, who do I? I don't even actually know. I just know I have him at QB three. I, I don't even know who I, really I want to know who's two. Is, is it I have is Josh it Allen Is it Allen? Josh Allen. Yeah, and, I, and I'll I'll stick with that too. Josh Allen is such a fucking monster. Uh, so I I'll keep him at number two. But yeah, Prescott at three. I have no qualms about. Again, almost six thousand yard pace for this guy last year uh, when he was healthy. But obviously that impact. Is massive on everyone around him. Ezekiel Elliott averaging 22 and a half points per game, the third most among running backs, with Prescott, 12.9 points per game, or the RB 26 without him. And honestly, like, I'm surprised it was that high because there were so many weeks that Zeke just killed you down the stretch. You know, well, five. You remember,
0: months. we were having conversations. Weekly or biweekly, if we were recording twice, where a legitimate question we were kicking around is, do you bench Zeke? And this was playoff run. Like yep. this is this is make the playoff run and in the playoffs. And every time it was, uh, do you bench Zeke? And I think most of the time we ended up kind of grudgingly saying, yeah, you do. And yeah. I think we were pretty much right every time.
1: We never – he was like my locked-in you know, higher, lower Hail Mary. It was – Zeke was the easiest one because people were still ranking him, not quite as Zeke of the early season, but like top 15 because it's Zeke Elliott, right? You have to. It's Zeke El- it never worked out. It was so easy to rank him lower and win on that, that part of the segment. Uh, it, it was, remember, it would be like Jeff Wilson or Zeke Elliott. And it's like, I can't believe I'm saying uh, Jeff Wilson, but it's Jeff Wilson. And really? it, it, that would be right. <laughs> like it, it, Ridiculous stuff. Uh, but he was not the only one. Zeke Elliott was not the only one with massive discrepancies. Amari Cooper, 20, 20.8 points per game. Wide receiver, three. While Dak Prescott was there, 12.6 points per game thirty seventh wide receiver uh without without dak cd lamb one of my favorite rookies to come in last year looked like i was a genius for singing this guy's praises saying he was probably the first rookie i would take among all those receivers 16 and a half points per game the wide receiver 12 as a rookie in his first five games a wide receiver one <laughs> crazy 12.2 points per game, the wide receiver 38 without Dak. Uh, so that just goes to show how crazy these splits were with and without Dak and how important it is that Dak is back now. Because I don't see any reason why these guys would do anything. I mean, unless Dak's not fully healthy, which I guess is a, a somewhat of a risk, but it did happen early in the season. It's not one of those injuries that's like it typically, you know, it was a fracture. So it's like it, once it heals, it heals typically at least. So I, I mean, I'm no doctor, but that's my expectation. But- it is it, He had like a huge fracture, right? Which is like, once it heals, it, it heals. It's not like a ligament where you're worried about like a re-tear or a, a pull or anything of that nature. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I don't know, I'm not a doctor, but I'm pretty sure that a fracture is like a better injury to recover from. If I'm wrong, fantasy doctors, please correct me, uh, if commenters, whoever is out there. But I'm pretty sure that a fracture is a better type of injury to have than like a ligament or a pull of a, a, any kind.
0: I just want to this. say to the- Viewers at home, I'm just as shocked as you guys are. I've been doing this podcast for years under the impression that the wolf was a medical doctor, and now I'm finding out (laughs) I'm sorely disappointed. He (laughs) had to clarify
1: a couple times, like,
0: I'm not a doctor, and I'm like, Whoa,
1: exactly! Yeah, all right. I'm sorry to shatter your world there. Now, I know, I'll move on. He'll get over it. But ultimately, I do think, you know, Dak did prove to be a great fit in Mike McCarthy. As much as whatever you want to say about the guy, he's crafted some very good passing offenses since his time with Rodgers, since his start with the Cowboys and Dak Prescott. I I only think they take another step forward because it's the second year in the system, lessons learned, all that good stuff. So I'm all aboard Elliott again. I'm all aboard Cooper again and, and Lamb all these major pieces and maybe even Blake Jarwin as a sleeper uh, later in the draft. I just love my Cowboys for this fantasy factory to reignite, especially because they didn't make any free agency moves more importantly on the defensive side, which is why every game became a shootout because their defense is just so fucking abysmal when they had Dak there and they could just go back and forth toe to toe. That was a DFS. You know, I think three out of the first four weeks, the winning team either had Dak Or they had the guy that was facing Dak on the other side. Uh, It was wild how the shootout games were happening. So I'm expecting a lot more of those fireworks in 2021.
0: All right, Chris Carson, return. Best case scenario, especially if the Seahawks can take off. You got him as your RB19. I had Carson last year, and when he was good, he was good. Definitely missed a little bit of time, inconsistent. The Seahawks kind of looked like a weird team near the end. Uh, What do you think? Why do you think his, uh, his stock's going up?
1: Yeah, I just like the return home, because I I don't know that he would have landed a featured back role anywhere else, and certainly not in an offense that has the upside of the Seahawks. As you mentioned, it it was one of those offenses that went from the highest scoring in the league, similar to the Cowboys, there there was a, a half of the league the first nine weeks where nobody could put up the points that the Seahawks were, especially the Cowboys once they lost Dak. Couldn't even keep pace with them, And then for whatever reason, they reined it in. They got all conservative. They got went back to their Seahawks roots of just running it far too many times and not letting Russ cook. It was awful. Uh, but either way, Chris Carson was still pretty damn steady, pretty damn sturdy. He's been the running back 13 and running back 14 in fantasy points per game the last two seasons. He's been a top 24 running back in 20 of his 27 last games played. That's 74% of them. And he's only been below 10 fantasy points Three times in his last 27 games. So, I mean, as you said, like he, he had his down games, but it was never like he was killing you. He always was no. getting like 60 yards in a score. In fact, no. a Seahawks running back scored in every single game except two last year.
0: He's a so, pretty good uh, pass catcher, too. So, in yeah. any sort of PPR format, yep. you were getting a
1: little bump there. Yeah. Especially last year, we had multiple, we had games with multiple receiving touchdowns. And that's kind mm-hmm. of, what I, I want to get is, yes, I just illustrated the floor is so safe. And that's nice to have. You know, your round three pick to just know, like, I'm getting a top 24 running back every single week. and I just got it in round three. But we can't just say there's no ceiling here. He was the running back seven for those first nine weeks where the Seahawks were lighting up scoreboards when he was catching a ton of passes, including touchdowns. Uh, 17 and a half fantasy points in that span. So if this offense can, a, a big F, because we've seen this fluctuation, But if they can get back to those top five levels, they did hire a passing game coordinator from the the Rams to be their now offensive coordinator while firing Brian Schottenheimer. So I like that move at least. So the the floor is still going to be there. This is by far the ideal spot for Carson's floor. And now the ceiling, maybe we get a full 16 finally of Russ cooking that would make Carson a potential top 10 running back. And he's never that sexy draft pick that everyone's you know scrambling to get. So you'll find him in round three, oftentimes maybe even round four. I love that price point. I'll be right back into uh, Chris Carson.
0: All right, Aaron Jones. This is a guy with some serious uh, ceiling potential, no doubt. Uh, he's preserving his spot where he's already been the RB2 and the RB5. Got more target upside, allegedly. Why do you say that?
1: Well, Kamal Williams is now gone. And yeah, sure, Aaron Jones was like the number one running back. But a lot of times Williams, especially because of how good he was in pass protections, would come in on third downs. He ran 194 routes, 35 targets, 31 receptions last year. That that definitely bumps it up. He saw 45 targets the year before that. So, I mean, 80 combined targets the last couple of years. You give most of those to Jones, I, I got to expect. Because, yeah, sure, Dylan has hands we all as human beings uh, you know he, he has hands there but they weren't really ever put to use in college uh, he, uh, i'm looking at the slats the, the, the stats here and he didn't really see any type of volume in the passing game uh, we saw him have a couple drops even on the very few meager 32 routes 21 receptions uh that he had in college like just was that's not part of his game He's got the, the best thighs in the world, A.J. Dillon, of the running back position. Uh, but that's not helping him out in the pass game at all. So with those that increase, you know, we saw those games right where Devontae Adams was out and Aaron Jones suddenly saw like nine, ten targets. Those were the games where he went absolutely bananas. And I'm not saying that's going to be an every week occurrence because Devontae Adams is going to be there uh, still. But it, you know, with those running back volume in the, the passing game, more shirt up, I love it. And I just like that. He's back where we know he's going to be successful. Again, back to back years, as you said, RB2, RB5, 19.9, 18.4 points per game across those last two years. He's just a perfect fit since that zone blocking scheme got here from Matt LaFleur. He just sees the hole so well, zips right through it. And plus, that money they gave him, 48 million over four years. Like, how do you give someone that price? and not really turn over the keys to him. So, I mean, next week's show, we're going to talk about losers. A.J. Dillon, certainly a fantasy loser out this, but I really do think, you know, there's so much good speculation. Like, oh, what if he went to the 49ers? How good would he look? And the cherry red, of the, all that stuff. Like, sure, give me right where I know the fantasy stake is going to give me top five running back stats. And he's going to go in round two because he's just always undervalued. The one thing, too, I, I do want to I, – I know I'm a little bit about Aaron Jones, but – the one thing that was interesting with last year, I owned him two years ago. He actually scored more points per game. I was off the train because it was so boomer bust a couple seasons yeah. ago. Uh, you know, it was one of those things where he was either winning you your week or he was losing you your week. Didn't and you feel like that he- a
0: lot of that came down to bad coaching? I mean, weren't we just complaining okay. all the time about his usage?
1: Yep hundred percent. And a lot of that was Jamal Williams stealing the passing game usage, getting random red zone looks for no reason, who, again, is now gone to those uh, Detroit Lions as a team. But what was great is show the weekly floor. I'll bet he's excited really about that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I noticed this, he's not
0: on this big winner list.
1: No, certainly not. Uh, I don't Definitely. really give a shit about Jamal Williams. I'm just happy he's gone for Aaron Jones. But yeah, Jones, you know, 19 total touchdowns in 2019 regresses to 11 Again, the fact that he still ranked top five uh, in fantasy points, top seven in total house calls and touchdowns. And then his floor, he only fell outside the top 24 running backs twice this last year is compared to five times where he cost you weeks in 2019. So we saw that nice floor boost. And now he's probably going to have it even higher with Jamal Williams gone. It's not sexy and sizzly, but I love that Aaron Jones has returned to the Packers.
0: All right, last guy on our biggest winners list, Daniel Jones. He's landing the ultimate alpha wide receiver one in Kenny Galladay. I've heard a lot of people on various podcasts that I listened to uh, before he got picked up, just being like, why aren't more people just throwing the kitchen sink uh, to get Kenny Galladay? You know, his talent, undeniable. And I, I admit when he's played, he has been really, really awesome. Um, so, but supposedly, you know, you're saying his addition changes the entire complexion of the offense. You're not the only guy I've heard say that you think Daniel Jones is going to really benefit greatly from having a weapon like that.
1: If Daniel Jones is any good himself, then yes, which
0: is not like a slam dunk.
1: No, not at all. We don't know quite yet. We've seen glimpses of amazing Daniel Jones. In fact, two years ago. Only Lamar Jackson had more 30-point fantasy games than Daniel Jones. So, like, we know there is a ceiling there. And it's a very, very high ceiling for Daniel Jones. But we've also seen a disturbingly horrible floor. It, 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 how much of that was weaponry and how much of it's play calling, we don't know yet. But for now, we at least have the weaponry excuse cough ca- ca- off the table because Galday. When he is healthy, is an elite alpha. He is big. He is fast. He is strong. He is everything you want from your wide receiver one. And he was third in in, uh, contested catches across these last two years. I know you love the contested catch rate, so I wanted to make sure I got that on there for you. Oh, Galladay's a guy that's up there too, right? What's that? Galladay's a guy that's up there, too. For yeah, this. third, third yeah. in the last two years, right. 36 contested catches. Uh, right. it, jump balls go from 50-50 to like 65-35 when you have a guy like Kenny Galladay. Uh, and Daniel Jones, you know, for all his faults and, and all the disturbing floor we just talked about and falling on his face when no defenders are near. And that's one the way. only thing I'm going to remember about that guy. <laughs> just notorious. He's still according to pro football focus had the best passer rating on passes of more than 20 plus yards there. I think that I, can't I possibly be true. I, I mean, Pro football focus. You can <laughs> have your qualms with them. Uh, however you want. I don't know how that's necessarily true either, uh, but still I do think Daniel Jones, I've seen glimpses where like this guy has a very live arm and and, and a lot of talent, My biggest worry here is Jason Garrett still the play caller and just him standing there and like clapping. I just fucking hate Jason Garrett. I want him out of the league and done war. He had his years where he, you know, Tony Romo lit it up. Uh, We had plenty of explosive Cowboys offenses, but I I think that's a lot more about Tony Romo than it was Jason Garrett. Even still though, if Daniel Jones is going to take that next step and we've seen a lot of those like Josh Allen, like, oh, he was so raw. And then you got his number one and this offense just blew up. I mean, th- there's a lot of those parallels. He has his number one now. He has the arm. He certainly can sling it deep. I just think Brian Dable for the Bills is a significantly smarter human being than we've seen Jason Garrett ever be. So many four wide receiver sets, no huddle, pushing the pace. That's just not Jason Garrett. Maybe it will be this year. He certainly has all the talent around him. He needs to thrive either way. Like Daniel Joseph was 28th on my QBs. Now he's in a top 20 spot. For me, uh, because of this weaponry, because of the complexion of the offense, now, you get Saquon back, you get a couple lineman linemen back, Solder, a little improvements there. I, I do think everything is around him that there should be no more excuses other than Jason Garrett or Daniel Jones sucking himself. And I will take that risk, not over Ryan Fitzmagic, my favorite late round QB, but I will take that risk uh, in the late rounds of uh, fantasy drafts, no doubt about it.
0: All right. So that's the end of the biggest winners list. What? How would you, we we should probably move through this next group a little quicker because well, how would you label this, this next list? Like, how would you refer to them if your first eight guys were your biggest winners?
1: I, I still like these guys. I there's so the next like eight or so, six or so guys are like definitely winners, still a little bit to see. And then there's going to be three or four guys that could end up being the biggest winners of free agency. I just don't expect that to happen, but this like next like <laughs> right. nine through 14 or so I do consider okay. winners. Uh, All right. So these yeah. are still
0: winners, just maybe not as big. Okay. Yes. Fine. Right. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in for the sophomore rebound, no Damian Williams, etc. Um, Man, CEH broke a lot of hearts last year.
1: Sure did. I mean, nobody <laughs> more than us, like we couldn't have been higher on him. And, you know, that was our fault for overlooking like rookies in a pandemic. And all that we should have been a little more cautious on this guy. But all the reasons we loved him still kind of exist this year. One of the big things being, Damian Williams has been removed since the start of free agency. He was released by the team, and I don't think that can be discounted. The running backs coach loved this guy, as did Eric Bieniemy, their offensive coordinator. All they all he do is rave about uh, Damian Williams. I think he had the potential to be a real thorn in Clyde Edwards Hilaire's side, and and now we know he's gone. Le'Veon Bell probably not going to be back and now they brought in Joe Tooney one of the best offensive guards in football over from the Patriots Kyle Long comes out of retirement and joins him so that interior of the line is now looking beastly I'm not sure what's going to happen at the tackle spot since they've cut both of theirs we still need to see that happen but in terms of running back value the interior is often more important than the outside so I love all that plus we have a a pretty decent uh, example in that LaShawn McCoy, the only other guy drafted in the top sixty picks by Andy Reid as a running back, as a as a freshman or sorry, freshman as a, you know rookie, he he didn't do anything. It wasn't he had one hundred ninety five touches, forty receptions, nine hundred forty five yards from scrimmage, and four TDs. It, worse than what Clyde Edwards did in less games last year. And then the next year we saw LaShawn McCoy's totals almost double across the board, 285 touches, 78 receptions, 1,672 yards and nine TDs. Now, obviously it's not like a lock that he suddenly goes from a, a mildly used rookie to then his blow up sophomore. But then we also saw Brian Westbrook, 55 touches, 279 scoreless yards to go to 154 yard uh, touches, 945 yards and 11 touchdowns. So like we've seen Andy Reid ease in these rookies and Kareem Hunt would be your counter, but that's because two people got hurt in front of him. So I wouldn't be shocked to see Clyde Edwards-Hilaire really double the amount of work he saw last year. Uh, This is also a guy that is playing with Patrick Mahomes, so you know this offense is going to be putting up points in an improved line, how many times did defenders just shoot through the gaps and, and knock him out in the backfield? I really think the improved line, uh, just a sophomore leap, a full offseason to get really acclimated, is going to work wonders for Clyde edwards helaire who's going to fall to, right now, round three, as a guy that was going in the top six in fantasy drafts. I really think this is the year we see that top six upside come back, uh, but ultimately, you get him in you know two rounds later than you have to. I, I love Clyde edwards helaire coming back this year.
0: All right. A couple other guys I know you like. Char- uh, Justin Herbert, Austin Eckler, both guys you liked last year. Herbert, I'd say, exceeded all expectations, even though we like the guy. Uh, certainly an improved offensive line, number one thing that can help a QB, probably number one thing that can help a running back. And the Chargers have really uh, zeroed in on that in the offseason, right?
1: A hundred percent. You know, they go from literally the worst center in football last year, Dan <laughs> oh, Feeney. God whoever that is. I I don't know who Dan Feeney is. Uh, Hopefully his family members aren't listening. Sorry, Dan Feeney, if you are. Uh, Absolutely horrendous player. Most hurries in the league, most pressures in the league, uh, not even really close on that list. They go out and sign Corey Lindsley, who was the exact opposite of that fewest right. pressures, actually zero pressures allowed last year and a top three guy in run blocking among centers. So all of that is fantastic. They also addressed the line uh, with uh, um, a tackle as well. Matt Filer from the Pittsburgh Steelers who, sh- who started the past two seasons. So, is he great? Probably nothing amazing, but certainly better than anything the worst line in the league had to offer last year. So two big talent injections into this line for a, a quarterback that thrives if he has that time to just uncork that, that unbelievable arm. I absolutely love an improved line for Justin Herbert. I, I think Justin Herbert is going to be that Josh Allen of this year. I think they're going to add at least one more receiver in the draft. Uh, you already have Keenan Allen, you know, Mike Williams still can go and, and jump over any defensive back and Austin Eckler of course is amazing. So I really do think Justin Herbert's going to be that guy that falls to like round seven, eight. And then by this time next year, we're like top three top, you know, top two. I, I really think Justin Herbert has that much talent. He's got the weapons around him. Now he has the offensive line to protect him. And I really think Austin Eckler is going to leap up again as well. You know, just a season removed from being a top four running back. And that was with sharing the backfield with Melvin Gordon. A couple injuries last year got in the way from him really truly hitting his ceiling. And that now has his price falling back to mid-late round two. Have give me that all day behind an improved offensive line, and offense is going to be even better. The one question mark is. How is this pre- play caller, Joe Lombardi, comes over from the Saints, love that background, but his one stint as a play caller with Detroit was absolutely god-awful. Uh, so who knows how that will end up playing out. But so far, so good saying we're crafting this offense with, you know, Justin Herbert in mind. Obviously, you know, coach speak that you expect to hear, but it's still good to hear when we've seen so many stubborn coaches try to fit square pegs into round holes. Uh, I-, I think we're going to see Justin Herbert really uncork it, have a lot more time than he's used to. And it's going to just work wonders for this entire offense.
0: Just the first thing you gave on that line just really got my attention. You're talking about the worst blocking center in football, replacing him with a guy who literally did not give up a pressure the entire season. Can you imagine just the security, especially for a right. young quarterback knowing just pretty much knowing a hundred percent, like I'm not going to have trouble up the middle, like up, <laughs> I'll be okay. My center will take care of me. That's just such a confidence booster.
1: You know, gotta what I mean? be gotta be the biggest type of exactly like just meant the mentality coming into the drives. I love it. Absolutely.
0: Jared Cook. This is a guy who's broken some hearts over the years. Massive T D upside, not done yet. Sorry, Parnum Truthers. Explain, unpack that headline for me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> What's going on there? Uh, but Jared Cook, the last two years only Well, let's ask you this one. Who do you think has the most touchdowns among tight ends across the last two seasons?
0: Uh, I feel like this is a loaded question. I would have said Travis
1: Kelsey, um, but would the answer be Jared Cook? No. (laughs) Jared Cook is tied with Travis Kelsey for second. The first is Mark Andrews. Oh. Uh, across the last two seasons. So that just goes to show you, tra- anything when you're tied as a tight end with Travis Kelsey in any statistical realm is pretty damn good. This guy has been scoring at a massive clip when he's with the Saints the last two years. Oh, Joe Lombardi comes over from the Saints who, you know, you go out and get your guys that you know can thrive in the offense you're trying to implement. He went right out and got Jared Cook, who is rumored to have run a 4-4 at 240 pounds, 6-5. Like, we've seen the touchdown upside because of that massive frame, but he can also really get vertical down the seams. He is getting older, which makes me a little more nervous. I- I'm getting toward that point where there's guys that's just like – You're too old? We'll not draft you. I I do have some ageism. But I think Jared Cook is a guy I'm going to make an exception for because after Keenan Allen, yes, like I said, I like Mike Williams. I I like a lot of the, you know, Guyton. Who, who, Who are these other guys that actually exist? I hope they go out and draft like a Jamar Chase, for example. But really, I think there's some huge touchdown upside because I think this Chargers team is going to rank top five in fantasy uh, in total points and fantasy points among, among everybody. I, I really think it's going to be similar to that bills turnaround. We saw, as I said, Josh Allen, you know, Justin Herbert is going to be that Josh Allen this year, in my opinion. And that means people are going to have to catch touchdowns and they're not going to all go to Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen. If they're in the red zone, as much as I think they are, we've seen Jared Cook be a proven monster in this area. I think he has all the skills he needs, even at a little bit of an older uh, age here to, to just get it done at a really high level. And because of the age, he's going to fall in drafts. I think he finishes at the top 12 tight end. They're probably going to be able to get uh, towards the last rounds of your draft. I love it.
0: All right. This next one, we really got to talk about this. <laughs> Cam Newton regains late round Q- QB appeal with vastly improved weapon. It's cabinet. If he's the guy. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to argue with you that the weapons cabinet has improved, <laughs> but I just want to like, I want you to take a deep breath and I want you to think about, the football you saw Cam Newton play last year, and I'm a guy who was actually uh, you know, I've been a lifelong Patriots hater. I found myself pulling for this guy, and it was one of the worst displays of quarterbacking I've ever seen in my life. I mean, he, the guy, the guy couldn't complete just like simple ten yard passes to guys that were open right in front of him. It was, I mean, have you? Can you recall someone that you've seen play worse quarterback than that? Nope. I'm sure it's happened, but I mean, off the top of my head, I'm like, yeah, that's about as bad as I've ever seen someone play quarterback. So I think you'd have to have a weapons cabinet that included like, like one of those uh, vibranium arms that the winter soldier wears in the Marvel movies, because Newton's arms completely shot or his shoulder, same thing. I don't, I, I reject your late round quarterback appeal uh, on Newton, no chance unless he's just a completely different guy than I saw play quarterback last year.
1: Sell me on this. Tell me I'm wrong. So the one thing you're wrong about here isn't that he sucked as a passer. Among the worst passing performances, as you said, we've probably ever witnessed. Uh, it was horrendous. And I can't sit here and say I'm confident that he's going to suddenly magically improve because he gets a full offseason as a passer. Uh, he's never been a great passer, and that was some of the worst throwing we've ever seen in our lives and and i will also preface that i wouldn't be shocked if the pats go at a a high-end rookie at pick 15 or trade up and get somebody and that we might be talking about a different starter in a couple months here but the thing that i like about for fantasy we're talking fantasy not real life as a patriots fan i'm not sitting here excited that cam newton's my quarterback I, i don't like that at all it's it's not exciting but for fantasy purposes I like that I saw 137 rush attempts, the second most of his career, despite him missing multiple games. Uh, 12 rushing touchdowns, the second most of his career, despite missing multiple games. I do think there is some legitimacy to the fact that he was the quarterback three in fantasy football, got COVID, and it just never really, like he was, even as a passer, getting it done. We saw him for almost 400 yards in Seattle in week two. And then, you know, Budinti players bounced back from COVID. But there is something about, like, that momentum they were building. They had offense, and they really only had a few months to gel. And then suddenly he's removed for three weeks, and he just never seemed to get his footing again. So this was all happening as as well with literally the worst weapons cabinet you could possibly ask for. I don't know if you could name a worse weapons cabinet than what the the Patriots rolled out last year. They go and add Hunter Henry and John Smith, probably the best tight end duo in the league now. And, you know, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Board, do we splurge on them based on some of these wide receiver deals that have come out since then? Absolutely. It infuriates me. It's still also far better than anything we had at wide receiver last year when we are rolling it out. So you give this guy improved weapons. Uh, you give him a full offseason to learn it. Full, obviously, recovery from the COVID and everything. And, and let's be real, this guy did have – of his games as a QB1, 20% as a QB2. Those 40% where he was not a QB1 or QB2 were bad, like five points ruin your week bad. So he got to the point where you probably weren't starting Cam Newton because of how – No, you
0: you probably weren't starting him. If you were – Listen, I hate it when you make sense, and I'm going to have to die on this hill, but I will say this. I have seen across sports, there does seem to be a lingering effect of of COVID – uh, from yeah. some of these guys. So it, it's hard for me to argue with that. Uh, I've seen it. With, uh, I'm a big NBA fan and I've definitely seen it with some NBA guys. They get it. They come back. They're able to play, but they're just not quite the same. I, I just feel like Newton's play was so bad. His, yeah. his throwing was so bad. It's like, man, that's got to be more than COVID.
1: <laughs> right. it, it, it is hard to ignore how bad that was. And he's always been a pretty bad thrower.
0: Yeah, but this was next level. I mean, I, I mean, you're right. He's never been like an amazing, amazing yeah. passer. But this was like, you know, non-NFL passing.
1: Yeah, it didn't belong on an NFL field. Uh, the, the Konami code upside is still real, though. The rushing upside, if he can even improve just mildly because he has somewhat decent weapons, then he could realistically be a a QB one more weeks than he is. not I still don't know though, if it's going to ever get away from like the weeks that he doesn't score two rushing touchdowns. He might just be at like five fantasy points and just kill you. So it's not, I'd rather have, let's say Ryan Fitz magic. I'd probably rather have Daniel Jones, who we already talked about uh, than Cam Newton, but there is Andy Dalton. No, God, no fuck. Andy Dalton. Come on, come on now. Now we're fuck that. Get right. out of your thing, uh, but but the, the rushing upside does keep him at least in your fantasy conversation. And the fact that you're going to get him in your last rounds is like, let's just see what happens here. Maybe, maybe just maybe he regains that stud that was again the QB three in fantasy over those first two to three weeks before COVID hit. Maybe he can regain that form.
0: Maybe. All right, let's stick with that team. Damian Harris, beastly line. Cam's return bodes well for this bruiser. So why don't you just pick up where you left off and switch over to Harris?
1: Yeah, and I think that probably makes sense, too, to to Cam. The line upgrades aren't insignificant here. Yeah, they lost Joe Tooney, but they get back Trent Brown at left tackle. Gives him the flexibility to move Isaiah Wynn either to the right side or where he'd probably be even better in the interior at guard. Uh, You get Karras back. You get uh, David Andrews back. All these linemen are coming back and loading up along the front. To me, it looks like they're just loading up to be a ground and pound. Let Cam run. Let Damian Harris run. Uh, I love all of that. Plus, Jimmy White most likely going to be gone there. There's rumors he's going to go to Tampa Bay where perfect fit with Tom Brady, his old uh, QB over there. Would love James White there as a sleeper should he emerge there. But if he's gone, you know, yeah, Burkhead has some pass catching chops. Damian Harris, too many people discrediting how good this guy is can be as a pass catcher in Alabama. He definitely had uh, some receiving upside. I think that's why the Pats, so many reports emerging in training camp last year, this guy was going to be their featured back. He did suffer an injury in training camp that kind of put that on a halt, but they loved the fact that he could catch, could run. You couldn't really figure out what they were going to do when you had Damian Harrison. We didn't see that capitalized upon too much last year, but I think that just because it wasn't used, doesn't mean it's not there. I think there's some receiving upside, especially if James White leaves behind this beastly line in a power-based attack. I think Damian Harris is a guy that could run for an 800, 900 yards in this committee, 10 to 12 touchdowns and catch 40 balls, and you're going to probably get him around 8 or 9. Love the upside stab that you can take on Damian Harris as of right now.
0: All right. Last guy on the maybe kind of winner's list, but Not all in. Tyler Higby, no Gerald, no Gerald Everett. He's been glorious for his value in the past. It's actually true. I would say his value has not been super high, and he has produced a decent amount. All right, sell me on Tyler Higby if you dare.
1: Now, get how crazy these splits are. I've never actually seen anything quite like this. When one player's removed, a player go from like this is this is the most drastic example I've ever seen. So he's only had five games without. Gerald Everett across his career. You might remember those games because they were two seasons ago at the end of the year where no tight end was on more championship rosters than Tyler oh, yeah, in. He had a oh, yeah. crazy end to 2019. Only him and Brashad Perriman, the two highest owned guys on fantasy championships just still blows my mind. But in the the 24 games with Higby, I mean, uh, with Gerald Everett, sorry, seven points on average, uh, three receptions a game, you know, two touchdowns over a course of a season 32 yards just pedestrian numbers pedestrian would be kind on those numbers like not usable hideous disgusting you don't want him on your team awful without him without gerald everett in five games he averaged 23.24 fantasy points per game that would be three more points than Travis Kelsey averaged last year in a, in a record-setting year. 7.8 receptions, a touchdown per game, so 16 over the course of the season. Uh, on 160 targets uh, was the pace, and nearly 100 yards per game. It was on pace for 1,510 yards. So, so we're talking a 1510 yards, 16-touchdown, 125-catch season from Tyler Higby in the games where he did not have Gerald Everett play.
0: Well, and I mean, obviously that's not sustainable, but you could chop a big chunk out of that and still have a real good tight end season.
1: Absolutely. And that's kind of what I'm hoping happens. They add Deshaun Jackson. I mean, that's obviously a different type of weapon. So I don't think that eats into his workload too much. I don't think we obviously we're not getting that pace. And I don't know that I'm overly optimistic that we even get like half of it, but the fact that that existed still has to at least suggest there's a ceiling here that could win leagues. And after last year's dud, a lot of people bought into it. You know, the, the, the last five games, the recency bias had people buy in. Higby as like a, around nine, 10 guy. I think this year you're going to find him fall to the, the last end of your drafts. And people are going to forget that that ceiling existed. So this is just your reminder that Tyler Higby won more leagues than anybody else in 2019. And the guy that was in his path. And once he was removed that facilitated that breakout, Is now gone. So I'm just saying, just saying, maybe, just maybe Higby could be a monster.
0: All right. Before we get into our last three guys, which are guys that have won so far, but things could change, I just want to remind everybody to give us a like. The Wolf said he was going to do it at least one more time throughout the podcast. He's been sleeping on that, but he's been just spitting out information, uh, you know like one of those old supercomputers from like the fifties. So you'll forgive him for getting about that. Give us a like. It really helps out uh, on any of the, you know, uh, whatever you're watching on Periscope, YouTube, Facebook, whatever. When you listen to the podcast, like that one, uh, subscribe, give us a rating, all that good stuff.
1: Yeah. Right. just And that's a good point out too, that a lot of people do catch us live and that's awesome. We appreciate it. We love having you live. We have about 20 comments already. Would love to see that uh, number. We had some podcasts in the season where we got like 200 something questions. It was awesome. Oh,
0: Right. Where we had to like,
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah. Four, four hours later, that was, that was the best. Uh, but if you do prefer audio, we do have this all in podcast form, the fantasy fullback dive on iTunes. You can find us there. Uh, so check that out. And all these news we're breaking down. If you prefer written format, and you like to read in addition to, to listen, you can just find all this at the rotostreetjournal.com slash stockwatch, where we just hit all these little quick hitters or find it in our app, Uh, Search Rotary journal only on Apple right now. We're trying to work and get on the Android phones as well for all you weirdos that don't use uh,
0: Apple phones. When you you said when you said if you like it in written form, I thought you were going to say we had one of these interns like jotting all this down by hand, like transcribing (laughs) the
1: podcast (laughs) in shorthand. Um, all right. Yeah. Last ch- check out all that type of content. Well, if you love the video, great. Stick with us there. But if you prefer audio, you can find our podcast. You can find all our written content at roastryjournal.com, specifically for these little blurb hits, roastryjournal.com slash stock And thanks, you again know,
0: speak, so much. Speaking of watching stuff live, as in, obviously probably more people listen to us, you know, afterwards or watch us afterwards. Uh, I was trying to explain to my kids the other day uh, the difference between tv now and tv when i was a kid and about how if you wanted to watch tv when i was a kid you had to show up at wednesday at 8 30 if that's when your show was on and if you didn't yeah. you just didn't see it and they <laughs> like just looked at me like i was completely insane
1: right and, no I mean, on demand like
0: <laughs> well my son who's five i told him this and he was just really confused he asked a bunch of follow-up questions and then he kind of paused and then he just said because it was such an alien concept to him he goes, did you have phones when you were a kid? <laughs> and I said yes, but then I realized the phones we had when I was, was a kid did not-, not resemble phones like we had now. I was like, yeah, we had like a rotary thing with a cord that was attached to the wall. Uh, and so if you wanted to talk to your girlfriend You had to stretch it around the corner um, <laughs> Oh so anyway. man so For I, this tangent but uh just reminded me of that. It's
1: the truth Remember you had to like record things on like VHS If you wanted to like catch a replay of Yeah something? and there was like
0: there was like one kid in the neighborhood Who might know how to program a VCR exactly. and, he was, and he was like a real shithead But you had to kind of be nice to him Because he, he could tape your shows Because it was like learning like some uh, Extremely complicated mathematical equation Oh, anyway. yeah You'd have to it's sacrifice nice.
1: like <laughs> he'd come over after school that day and go, fuck, I have to eat this. And he's going to eat all my fucking pizza right. rolls. My like, mom's hey, gonna buddy. Uh, yeah <laughs> are you doing? <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that, right. that was a bad day for your pizza. I would boy.
0: like to do a show just about that at some point.
1: <laughs> we totally should. All right.
0: Final list. Um, these are guys who have won so far. Will Chase Edmonds remain the workhorse? Uh, what's his value if he does?
1: I I mean, the value is... a top 15 running back should be going in rounds three at latest four. If he remains the guy, we know Kenyon Drake, we're going to talk about Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake next episode. When we talk about losers, Uh, he's gone. And so at this point, it's really only chase edmonds they drafted like eno benjamin last year and maybe he gets a little work but right now chase edmonds is the only guy that's logged any meaningful work at an nfl level on the cardinals and last year when drake missed time he saw 20 to 30 touches in all the games uh when when drake was out so he was a true workhorse in that time um Now we've already had Cliff Kingsbury. CJ wrote about this earlier in the off season, endorse Edmonds as a potential bell cow. Say we trust him in that featured back role. We trust him as our RB one. And we've seen Edmonds, you know, whether it was last year with that 28 touch day or whether it was the year before where he had like 31 points, 35 points, and then he got hurt. But we've seen this guy really perform well in this offense at the NFL level. So if he's the guy, I mean, there's as much upside as anyone in fantasy, uh, we have the GM recently say he's going to monitor the running back position, but that he does believe chase Edmonds is an excellent player. So that's kind of like a lukewarm endorsement. Like, yeah, I like you a lot. You're excellent. I'm still going to be looking at running backs, but so far no one else has been added. It really just comes down to, they're going to add a rookie. Like there's no way they don't make another move at some point. It's just a matter of, do they draft somebody like in round one, like Najee Harris or, uh, you know, Travis, um, from, over at Clemson, you know, if that happens then okay, fuck like chase Edmonds, that, that hurts because he might lose the job. If if they don't draft the guy in the first day, maybe the last you know, the second day, Edmonds has to be the guy considered the favorite to enter as the horse. So I like his odds of, you know, paying off a third, fourth round price. If you're taking like some risks in early best ball, it could come crashing down. Um, he's a guy though, that really could end up being, if you know, we talk about Ryan Fitzpatrick, the biggest winner, Chase Edmonds would go down as the biggest winner if nobody really serious is added.
0: I just want to say I, I wholeheartedly agree with that being a lukewarm endorsement. Can you imagine endorsing uh, your relationship with your girlfriend or your wife or whatever that way? She's like, hey, like, are we going to be together forever? Like, do you still love me? And you're just like, absolutely. Unless I meet somebody hotter.
1: I'm uh, <laughs> monitoring the market,
0: but right, you are I mean, excellent. You are
1: excellent, honey.
0: <laughs> I am checking out literally every woman who walks by me uh when I pass her on the street. But until one of them reciprocates, you know,
1: <laughs> my affection, <laughs> yes, analogy. you and I are, are a pair. <laughs> that, is, that is a fantastic analogy. Yeah. You are oh excellent.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna You're mock- excellent. With there are people better, and if oh. one of them Uh, expresses any interest in me, you and I will be parting company. Anyway, uh, next one. (laughs) Same question about Chase Edmonds, but now we're talking about Melvin Gordon.
1: Yeah, and we've seen Melvin Gordon obviously be a workhorse in his NFL career, so this is even less of a question, like, can he handle the workhorse, which we can't necessarily say confidently for Chase Edmonds. We've only seen a smattering of games, and he got hurt in in those games. Uh, So I'm not confident that Chase Edmonds could handle workhorse duties. We know Melvin Gordon can. I mean, he was the running back four in fantasy just a few seasons ago. And he's been a, a top you know 20 guy pretty much his entire career. We now have Philip Lindsay removed from the equation, uh, which obviously helps because Philip Lindsay, I really do think is a, a solid player that I, I don't know why Denver wanted to do him as dirty as they did. Uh, but they just kind of like screw you. See you later. And now he's going to go, you know, to the Texans in the grossest backfield of all time. We'll talk about that next episode. Uh, <laughs> but ultimately, Texas. you know, Melvin, Melvin Gordon ninth in rushing last year. Uh, definitely, you know, eleventh most opportunities with Lindsey there. Ninth most targets. Uh, I mean, twenty uh, fifth most targets, rather. Sorry, uh, but still, overall, you know, in terms of opportunities, in terms of production, this guy was getting it done. I uh, had his best games, obviously, when Lindsey was, was either out or limited. He was an RB1 in, in a third of the games, RB2 in the other third. So 66% of the time, he was giving you top 24 production. He did have a couple, I mean, like 3.7, 4.6, 3.1, a couple of weeks that like legitimately murdered you. If he was bad, he was really bad. But I think with Lindsey gone, those really bad days uh, definitely – get more you know neutralized, I guess is the word. and ultimately the the volume is going to be more steady, more secure, assuming they don't make any big moves here. and, and that would make Melvin Gordon I, I, he'd have to rank so, it. so he's kind of like Carson right like unsexy. no one's like, yeah, I just drafted Melvin Gordon on the Broncos. But man, this guy really did have 26 20, 24 21. Those, those low games were bad, but the booms, he, he did have a couple weak winning type of games for his owners. I think he has a, a lot more, uh, a lot better chance of replicating those weak winning type of days with Lindsey gone uh, in all of the work secured right now. He could be a potential monster if they make no more big moves at the position.
0: All right. Last question. And then we're going to hit the mailbag. How about Mike Davis in Atlanta? Same question is with Gordon. Same question is with Chase Edmonds. Uh, is he going to remain the workhorse? What's his value if he does?
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't think so. Right. It's a one year deal, like 5 million, I think is what it amounted to So nothing that's like, this is our feature back. We're committing to this guy uh, <laughs> for the future. No doubt about it. Uh, but if it is the case, then this is going to be an explosive offense. you got Matt Ryan still playing solid ball. You got Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, like the, two of the best receiver duo in the league, even if you got a little bit of an older uh, um, Julio Jones here, a little more injury-prone Julio Jones. You still got a guy that is is one of the most terrorizing threats in the league. Uh, I don't think that's going to change quite yet. So, yeah, the weaponry. You got the offense that's going to put up the points. You got Arthur Smith coming over. From Tennessee, the most efficient red zone offense we've seen, like historic rates the last two seasons, uh, under Arthur Smith. Yeah, everyone's saying they had to regress, they had to regress, and they only up scoring more points in the next season. Uh, so, uh, so I really, 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 uh, like this play calling, I like the, the weaponry around him, and, and especially because Arthur Smith, you know, in back to back seasons third in rushing yards, second in rushing yards, second and second in rushing touchdowns, 10th in most attempts, second in rushing attempts. And yes, of course, when you have Derrick Henry in your backfield, like that's the complexion of your offense. Of course, you're going to base it around the run. But this is like a a former tight ends coach, kind of like one of those you know, hard nose love to grind it out, pound the rock type of guys. I do think that's part of his offensive identity. He loves to use that to set up the big plays, set up the play action. And I don't think Mike Davis is that guy you make a centerpiece that you then feed like 370 carries. So that's why I think they're going to draft a Najee Harris or somebody that's their true centerpiece and that Mike Davis ends up just being a mere handcuff. But even as a mere handcuff. Look what we saw last year from Mike Davis when, when uh, Christian McCaffrey went down more often than not, Mike Davis was giving you top 10 running back numbers. He ended up finishing at the RB 18 on the season. Uh, there's definitely the potential to hit an RB, tw- top 20 RB season if he remains that guy or if the guy in front of him ends up going down. My guess is this is just the first type of depth signing because truly they have no one else. So, you know, Smith right now, that, that's the only guy on the, the depth chart. Gurley's gone like... This is just like, let's have a guy in here that we know can produce somewhat. And he certainly can. He's a pass catcher. He can grind. He's nothing like flashy, but he can get it done. I still think the the next move, whereas if I'm like Melvin Gordon, I'm pretty confident it's going to remain the workhorse. Maybe they add a complimentary piece, but I think Melvin Gordon's going to be workhorse. I like Chase Edmonds, like medium wise, like, yeah, this guy's probably going to still be the guy, but maybe not. I really I have very low confidence that the Falcons enter the season with Mike Davis as the workhorse. But should they do that, he would end up being the biggest winner of free agency. So we'll see. But guys, yeah, thanks so much again. Uh, if you're catching the replay, appreciate you tuning in. And if you made it this far, especially, uh, thumbs up is always so greatly appreciated. But especially if you don't mind doing us a solid, reviewing uh, the podcast to help us grow our audience. Uh, there is so so greatly appreciated we will be as truth said whether it's in two days or next week live to go over the losers of free agency so far never is fun but honestly more likely that these players that switch teams are going to be worse than they were uh, where they they were the, the year prior so you got to keep that in mind as well but everything is so greatly appreciated you can find all our content at rotostreetjournal.com whether you find us on youtube facebook uh, twitter Roto ST Journal. Or me personally, Roto Street Wolf. You can find all our good stuff throughout there. Love interacting with all you guys, um, and I'm just pumped that the football is back in the air again. It's just great. So, so thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, we hope to, to have you for more shows throughout this off season. We got some big things in the works this off season. I uh, cannot wait to hopefully be able to unveil them soon.
0: Yeah, looking forward to it, man. It was fun. Thanks for uh, inviting me to do this. I can't wait oh, to do it again. Love having you on. I already well, I am the wolf. I'm um, not the truth. Jones. See you guys later. Later.
1: We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go. But at least we stole the show. At least we stole the
0: show. At least we stole the show. Least we stole the show. Least we stole the show. Straight ahead. Devlin. Second effort. Third effort. Touchdown. Oh. That's pretty awesome. That's old fashioned football right there, folks.